nervous that we might hear someone scream out, dummy to go at any moment, and we might not be ready to go. Other than that, I didn't mind the grunt work. I basked in the reflected star power around me. The Washington Post newsroom in 1982 felt like a grand social science experiment being conducted on hundreds of idiosyncratic journalists with IQs north of 130. I was assigned to the highly regarded style section, a new modern iteration of the women's pages birthed in 1969 by the newspaper's famous editor, Ben Bradley, who came up with the idea of a section for an edgy, in-your-face kind of writing that would push the boundaries of where soft news writing could go, stylistically, tonally, and topically. Style would become an incubator for some of the most innovative and voicey and daring feature writing of its time, including that by Nicholas von Hoffman, Myra McPherson, Tom Shales, and Henry Allen. And there was Sally Quinn, who famously penned biting profiles of assorted Washingtonian types. Social climbers, players, takers, movers, and shakers. Even more famously, perhaps, Sally married Bradley. More on that later. But I didn't have much of a sense of this recent history, arriving with just the most cursory understanding that the newspaper and its charismatic editor were household names because of Watergate and because of the movie chronicling that era, All the President's Men, which had come out just six years before I stepped foot in the newsroom. Though the style section had little to do with the paper's Watergate coverage beyond proximity, it shared a sense of collective self-importance and an aura of excitement that felt like a current of electricity was always running through it. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists milled about, asking if so-and-so government official had returned their call, or if I knew where the empty notepads were. I did, eventually, and I was making every effort to answer them without letting on that I was as overwhelmed as I was. I could barely breathe those first few weeks, and spent much of my time avoiding eye contact and trying not to stumble over my words. Even though I certainly did not have a glamorous job there, I landed myself in a glamorous spot. We copyboys were young and female. Charlotte, Anne, Catherine, Elaine, Diane, and me. And that was enough of a draw for many of the middle-aged male reporters, who, battling writer's block, would often get up from their computers and come over to shoot the breeze. Usually three of us were on duty at a time, and we just sat outside the glass wall of the managing and deputy editor's offices in a perfect row, like shiny new sedans on a car lot. The assignment editors sat in the next row, parallel to us, and they talked among themselves or to the writers they were currently editing. But we were able to hear what they were saying, and just sitting in such close proximity to great editors, editing great writers was worth as much as a year or two at the best MFA program or journalism school in the country. They would sometimes look up and realize we were there, hanging on their every word. Occasionally, they would dole out a little mercy, offering advice to us about our mostly imagined writing careers. Let me give you a little piece of wisdom. Harriet Fear, one of the assignment editors, said one morning, apropos of nothing, yawning and stretching, Don't get too fat and happy in any job. I looked at her blankly, and she sighed at my lack of understanding. Always move on to the next challenge, she continued. I nodded, though I still didn't completely understand what she was telling me. Harriet's last name was pronounced Fear, and she was a bit scary in the sense that she was more confident than any woman I had ever encountered, 
and also louder. She wore black leather boots and tight sweaters and exuded an unapologetic sensuality. She had come to the post from Rolling Stone, where she'd been a managing editor who had worked her way up from switchboard operator. I like to think we copy aides reminded Harriet of her salad days, but I can't imagine she was ever as tentative as I was, and it's doubtful she saw any glimmer of herself in me. She was gutsy, brassy, of the original lean-in generation, decades before anybody was using that phrase. The post was filled with characters like her, and the more I figured this out, the more hooked I was on the place. The smell, the noise, the hustle, all of it worked on me like an aphrodisiac. I loved it in its entirety, though each section had its own vibe, rhythm, and philosophy. As soon as you moved from the hard news newsroom, Metro, National, Foreign, Business, Investigation,